So just to be clear and to drive home that message to all the consumers listening, no matter what piece of meat enters the food chain, it is antibiotic-free because of those strict rules and regulations here in the United States. That's correct. You can't survive without it. It plays a part in almost everything we bring into our homes. It's agriculture. I'm Amy Flugsopt. In my 15-year career as a broadcast journalist, I've traveled the country, won awards, and have told the stories of everyone from presidential candidates to the neighbor next door. Now, I'm getting back to my farm girl roots to connect you back to where your food, fuel, fabric, and all of those items in between originated, the farm. Inside the Bullseye is a -a one-of-a-kind conversation that's designed especially for you, the consumer. Broadcasting from my home studio in Madison, Wisconsin, I'm Amy Flucksopt. Trust me, this isn't your grandfather's way of farming. Welcome to this edition of Inside the Bullseye as we try and figure out what's in your meat. Well, there's really no surprise here. We love our beef in the United States. The USDA's most recent numbers show that the U.S. was the largest consumer of beef in the world in 2020, eating more than 27.5 billion pounds. Yeah, that's a lot. And if we really want to get technical here, listen to this. It's 27,599,637,788 pounds of beef. Woo, yeah, that's a lot of steaks, hamburgers, and roasts. That number accounts for roughly 21% of the beef consumed in the world for all of 2020. Coming in second was China at 16%, then followed by the European Union, Brazil, and India. So, What's in that meat? Or maybe a better question is, what's not in that meat? You may be asking questions about, is it antibiotic free? What did that animal eat? And where was that animal raised? Tammy Vossen is the executive director of the Wisconsin Beef Council. She joins us now to answer those questions and talk about a program that will help give you some peace of mind and feel more confident in beef safety and animal welfare. Tammy, welcome to Inside the Bullseye. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to visit uh, with you more today. Well, great. So before we dive into those big questions that consumers have, and you know what's in my meat. Let's give a little bit of the backstory of the Wisconsin Beef Council and what your mission is. Sure, so the Wisconsin Beef Council is, we are funded through our Wisconsin Beef and Dairy Farmers. So every time one of our farmers sells an animal, a dollar is goes into what's called the checkoff program. And through those dollars, we are able to implement programs both within our state as well as nationally that help to drive demand for beef, whether that be through consumer information, promotion, or industry information and research programs. And really what our mission here in Wisconsin is to build beef demand that is sustainable for future generations. But I might also share, since I know that this is also a broader audience than just our state, Um, Nationally, a number of, a representative group of our 
um, farmers and ranchers came together and just rolled out a new industry long range plan. And so nationally, what that what that mission statement kind of looks like is to ensure the long term prosperity of the U.S. beef industry by sustainably producing the most trusted, highest quality and consistently satisfying protein for consumers around the world. So you use the word sustainability a lot in that intro there. You know, talk to our consumers. What what does sustainability really mean? Well, we all have a different definition, I think. But within the beef industry, both within our state as well as nationally, is kind of based on three pillars. So, um, of course, the most prominent in that conversation is environmental. But we also know that our farmers and ranchers are also contributing to the sustainability, both the social networks that they have within the communities where they're raising beef, as well as the economic benefits of having beef farmers and ranchers within local communities. So um, we kind of focus on those three pillars, but of course, as I mentioned before, really going back to the true benefits that we have as consumers in in having those cattle out grazing the landscape and in what we say is cattle have that in an upcycling superpower so they can take the grasses and some of the byproducts that come out of the the human food supply that don't get consumed and they upcycle them into a really nutritious and um, delicious protein for you and I as consumers. Yeah, upcycling is a really great way to say that, you know, they they really do make the most out of products that we as humans can't use and it would just be waste to us. And of course, here in Wisconsin, we've got a lot of rolling hills and in, in the part of the state that I live in. And, and so those rolling hills are not as beneficial to to be able to farm and grow crops on. So the grasses that can be grown in those areas, again, something that we can't consume and digest as a human, but that cow has a complex stomach that they can take that grass and again, turn it into a, a beneficial protein. One thing too that I think is really fascinating, and there's been a lot of you know numbers out there that show we are raising less cattle than what we used to, but still being able to produce more meat for consumers, making it readily available for them. We are, and we're getting better and better at that every day. We're we're um, becoming more efficient with our land use and our water use, and um, continuing to feed feed not only consumers here in the U.S., but worldwide as well. Well, we know that consumers are very curious, and especially during the pandemic, we saw this huge rise in people wanting to know where their food was coming from, how it was raised, and, you know, what, you know how it was able to get to their table. And a program called Beef Quality Assurance is really helping consumers feel confident about those beef products that they're buying at the store and bringing home to feed their families. Let's talk about what beef quality assurance even means. Sure. Well, our our beef farmers and the beef community community in general really has a, a long-standing commitment to caring for their animals and providing families with the safest and highest quality beef possible. 
So the Beef Quality Assurance Program, or BQA, um, is kind of it's a it's a baseline training program that farmers and ranchers can participate in, where they focus on um, the best cattle management practices to ensure those animals and and of course the environment are cared for within a set set a standard set of guidelines across our industry. And really, this program has roots going back into the late 1970s. It, the program was initially called Beef Safety Assurance, um, where it, it started to lay the platform with an emphasis on targeting real and perceived beef safety issues within our consumer communities. And through that, those roots that were planted back in the 70s, we really have got a program today that is focused on continuous improvement because we know that challenges on our farms change from year to year. And we also know that our consumers and what they are focusing on in terms of what they're going to the grocery store and the considerations that they have in mind when they are making those purchases, that their, their opinions and their interests are changing as well. So this program, BQA, is updated every three years. And when farmers complete a certification, it's good for three years as well. So we know that when they come back and get that recertification, that they're getting the latest um, trends and in, in best management practices that have been incorporated. So if I'm a consumer listening to this and, and I want to know if I'm getting a BQA certified item, how do I know? Is there like a logo or an emblem or something that signifies that when I go to the grocery store? What should I be looking for? Right. Well, there is currently no label that is going on to, to beef packages that are being sold at the grocery store. However, our consumers can rest assured in a couple of things. Number one 85% of the beef that is produced here in the United States is actually produced by farms that have been certified in the Beef Quality Assurance Program. So we have had excellent um, support for certification and setting the guidelines that are, uh, that are the practices our farmers are using on their farms each and every day. But in addition to that, we of course also have a very robust um, food safety inspection program here in the United States as well. So when our um, cattle are going to be going to harvest and being processed, uh, they are, it is done under very strict government inspection systems uh, to ensure that the product that we're looking at at the grocery store or the restaurant on the menu um, is safe, wholesome, and correctly labeled and packaged. So you mentioned 85% of U.S. beef comes from BQA certified farmers and ranchers. I'm curious, what are you doing to reach that small percentage that's out there that's not certified yet? Sure. Well, so 85%, we're thrilled with that number. And I mentioned earlier the long-range plan that was put together nationally. And we have set within that long-range plan um, continued goals to increase farmer participation in beef quality assurance. Now, we know that no matter what type of program there is out there, um, 
there, there's all kinds of examples across industries that you'll probably never get 100% participation. Um, but we, as I mentioned, we have a goal of continuing to increase participation and engagement in beef quality assurance. And even if our farmers are not certified in the program, they are participating in a number of other trainings throughout the year to stay educated and on top of the latest trends, whether it's focusing on cattle care or nutrition or caring for the environment, we know that they're continuously improving on their farms. What are packers and um, processors doing to kind of encourage this as well? Because they're kind of driving this this uh, this BQA certification as well. Not only are consumers wanting it, but so are packers and processors. Correct. So, you know, packers and processors, they have their customer. And those customers might be um, a grocery store chain or a restaurant chain. And some of those chains have come back to the industry and said, we'd like to know that there are some standards out there that farmers are achieving um, for the product that we are, we are selling to the end user as a, as a consumer. So because of that, some of our national packers um, have made the Beef Quality Assurance Program mandatory. Uh, so if you if you were a beef farmer selling to a particular packer here in the United States that required BQA, um, you would need to be certified in the program. So that that's an individual business decision by those packers. It's not something that's mandated by our industry, uh, although we we encourage it. Uh, that falls into the individual business decision by those packers. The one thing. I want to point out here just because I do have background. I grew up on a beef farm in Indiana. I've watched my my family care for these animals, family friends care for these animals, other farmers and ranchers I've met along the way through my career care for these animals. And really, I have noticed it's it's more than just capturing that value you talked about with the packers and processors and ensuring you have a place to sell. I mean, these farmers and ranchers, they truly care about the health and well-being of these animals. I couldn't agree more, Amy, and I'll, I'll just share, uh, a, about a month or so ago, we were out on some farms capturing um, some video of our Wisconsin beef farmers, and it is, it's their livelihood, and animal care is at the, at the top of their list when it comes to what they are doing day in and day out on their farms. Um, they know that providing a healthy environment for their cattle with the proper nutrition and, and animal care when more, more concentrated or, or focused animal care, if there is an animal who is sick or becomes injured, is, is a high priority for them. And that's why we do have programs like Beef Quality Assurance as well, so that we know that um, Farmers are working together with their veterinarian on animal health product use. They also are bringing in um, nutritionists to ensure that at the various stages of development of an animal, whether that be a cow who is in gestation or a, a newly born calf who needs to get their legs underneath of them, that, that they have got the right ingredients 
and balanced rations to ensure a, a healthy product. Yeah, I can just speaking from experience being on a farm, you you know that the the ultimate end goal is that those animals will go to harvest. But you want to give them the best life possible in the meantime and making sure they're healthy and well taken care of. And I think almost all farmers would agree with that. The one thing I I want to point out, I love this saying in in your slogan that you have for your BQA is the right way is the only way. And I think a lot of farmers agree with that. They do. And they, again, they know that a healthy animal in a clean and comfortable environment is going to thrive and do better. It's just like you and I as, as humans, if we're sick and don't feel well, we're not getting the proper nutrition, whatever it might be, um, we, we don't thrive. And so farmers are working to provide those very same concerns that we have as individuals um, for their cattle. Can, can you give us an example of what these uh, BQA certification classes look like? What are some of the topics that you're talking about and, you know, maybe what's what's trending right now in the beef industry? Sure. Well, you know, kind of the highlight areas that farmers will learn about when getting a BQA certification, of course, are that focus on cattle care first and foremost. But then they also go into more details about just overall general herd health and how to prevent disease on farms and exposure to disease. Um, they talk about, you know, when is the best time to transport cattle uh, and, and how to how to load them in a in a safe way so that animals don't get injured. We also talk a lot about record keeping, you know, how to keep those records when care and treatment is given to those animals um, to ensure that both the animal's health, but the public's health and safety is a top priority as well. And we've talked a little bit about nutrition here, um, but having, you know, the uh, adequate and clean water supply and appropriate nutrition for those animals is a lot of what is covered in BQA. And then lastly, just that environmental stewardship piece. So, you know, that that is a, a piece that has continued to grow um, through BQA as as our consumers have evolved and, and public opinion has evolved as well. And so we're talking more and more about how to monitor key um, environmental control areas so that we're properly managing our feed and water resources, but still protecting and enhancing the environment while doing so. One question I hear consumers talking about a lot is, you know, the use of antibiotics in cattle and, you know, they want antibiotic free meat. I think it's important to point out every animal that does go to harvest is antibiotic free at that moment in time, correct? That's right. So for every antibiotic um, that might be used in the cattle industry, um, they've gone through rigorous testing procedures. And as a part of that process, um, they also are looking to find what is called a withdrawal time on those animal health products. I know there's a lot of conflict with consumers of, you know, wanting animal welfare to be the most important thing, but yet they're wanting a piece of meat on their plate that they know is antibiotic free. Well, drawing on my own farm background here, knowing 
we don't use antibiotics just to use antibiotics. There's a specific reason. Just as your child would have a temperature and you would treat them with a dose of Tylenol to make their well-being and help them feel better, that's the same thing farmers would be doing with animals as well. Right. Antibiotics are not routinely used on our farms. And our farmers, again, work very closely with veterinarians to ensure that you know, we're, if we do need to use an antibiotic for a treatment protocol, that we're using the right antibiotic to, to treat the disease. So it's important, again, just like a, as in humans, that we, that we diagnose what, what we're treating so that we are using the proper animal health product on those animals. And then we also need to keep in mind, again, just going back to how the U.S. food supply is the safest and most wholesome out there. Animal health products that are used here, uh, whether it be antibiotics or vaccines or other, other treatments, um, do have to go through rigorous safety testing before they can be used uh, on, our, on our livestock. So we do have a withdrawal period that a farmer would have to follow before that animal enters the food supply. And basically what a withdrawal period is, is it, it will say on the label of an antibiotic, for instance, that it say it's a 30-day withdrawal period. So if that animal, if, if a farmer was going to administer that antibiotic on August 1st, they would need to keep proper records to know what animal health product was used, what that withdrawal period was, and to know that they couldn't send that animal into the food supply until after August 30th. So when that animal does enter and go into our food supply, their body has metabolized that product and it is free of any residues of that antibiotic. So just to be clear and to drive home that message to all the consumers listening, no matter what piece of meat enters the food chain, it is antibiotic-free because of those strict rules and regulations here in the United States. That's correct. We have the, the U.S. Food Safety and Inspection Service that is responsible for oversight here in the United States of ensuring that we have got um, residue-free wholesome and safe meat that is entering into our food supply and that our farmers are following those protocols to ensure that um, they're not selling animals that might have a residue because you know what they don't get paid for those animals if a residue is detected in their in their system as well. Well, Tammy, we talked about a lot of different things, ensuring quality of meat and, and hopefully boosting consumer confidence here in the industry. You know, I know there's probably a lot more questions out there consumers may have. Where can they learn more about making sure that they're purchasing the best meat possible and, and maybe even learn more about that BQA certification? Sure. Well, I, I guess I would offer out a couple of suggestions. We, of course, understand and appreciate that consumers are wanting to learn more about how their food is raised and how our cattle are cared for here in the United States. So um, specifically here in Wisconsin, our website is beeftips.com and we do have a raising beef page on uh, specifically dedicated there 
that showcases a number of our Wisconsin beef and dairy farmers. So you can go there and learn more and read more about their stories. The other website that you can go to kind of on that national scope um, is, is beefitswhatsfordinner.com and they also have a Raising Beef page where you can learn more about the Beef Quality Assurance Program itself um, to hear some of our farmers' stories about why they participate in the program and the value that our farmers see from having an opportunity to be certified in Beef Quality Assurance. Well, Tammy, I have to ask you this. Working in the beef industry, what's your favorite cut of meat? What would you recommend to our consumers they try tonight for dinner? Well, of course, here during summertime, the good old ribeye steak on the grill oh. is our favorites at our house. I was going to say a ribeye is my favorite, and my very favorite ribeye comes from the Indiana Cattlemen's Association, which is where I grew up as a child. They make the best ribeye sandwiches in the summertime. Oh, delicious. Well, we've got lots of recipes uh, for cooking beef on the grill or whether it's wintertime and you've got an Instapot. So uh, beeftips.com, again, is a great resource for answering all of your questions about beef safety and nutrition and, and delicious recipes as well. Well, Tammy, thanks so much for being with us for Inside the Bullseye. And we will be sure to link to all of those extra resources for our consumers down in the show notes so they can learn more and of course hear testimonials from farmers and uh, maybe cash in on some of those great beef recipes you guys are sharing. We look forward to connecting with consumers as well as you know helping to answer your questions so please feel free to reach out to us at any time. Tammy thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope after listening, you feel just a little more connected to the people and places that have made it possible for you to bring all of your favorite products into your home every day. Inside the Bullseye is available for download right now. Just click subscribe wherever you consume your favorite podcasts and catch a new episode featuring a new guest every Thursday. Don't forget, be sure to join the conversation as well. We'd love to hear from you. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Inside the Bullseye. You have questions, ask me. I'll get you the answer in a future episode. This episode of Inside the Bullseye wouldn't be possible without ABS Global. ABS is a bovine genetic company that's proud to partner with farmers in 70 countries all around the globe to produce nutritional animal proteins to feed the world. Thanks so much for joining us. In the meantime, be sure to thank a farmer.